This is another Poets at War general report. And here's your general, Joshua David Ling. What's good, everybody? Your general back again. Good to see you. Good to hear from you a lot lately. I've heard from a bunch of people commenting, saying how much they're enjoying Poets at War, how much they're enjoying the YouTube channel and the TikToks I've been creating. If you haven't checked them out yet, I've been doing what I call poetry bricks. We're building a poetry wall, so we're doing bricks every day uh, over on uh, TikTok and YouTube Shorts. And basically, uh, we're going to be expanding that, too, to various places, including an audio-only feed uh, and um, Instagram, hopefully, at some point. Facebook, you know, just anywhere we can spread. Um, that being said... One of the things that has been really important to me for quite a while, and I talk about it every time I get on here, be your family's bard, right? This is a phrase that I came up with a long time ago, uh, well before Poets at War. And it's one of those things that's the driving, kind of the driving mission behind what I do. And I kind of want to get into today why and go through an outline of a talk that I want to start giving more in the future, get my reps in here and, um, you know, kind of shape that as a, as a talk while also, uh, using this as sort of <laughs> a very elaborate live version of speech to text in order to later take this video and turn it into a book along with some other, uh, various, um, you know, additions, subtractions as necessary. So that being said, this video might get a little long. It might get a little rambly, but I'm hoping that it will give me a good concrete basis for this talk being spoken in the future to live audiences and also as a foundation for a book. So this is Be Your Family's Bard by Joshua David Ling. And we're going to introduce this by asking the question, who is this book for? Well, this book is definitely for those who are seeing how insane Hollywood is, seeing how uh, undigestible the food that's coming out of Hollywood is. And when I say food, I mean... Uh, soul food stories are soul food. Nate Wilson, wink. Um, that was a horrible wink, but whatever. <laughs> um, the fact is, this book is for people who are longing for something more than just The Office every night or Netflix or whatever the case may be. But it might be even something more than something like lore, right? Lore being Marcus Pittman's project. We've had him on Poets at War I love lore. I'm working on a lore series, but we can't just continue to copy uh, the movie industry, although we should be making films. We should be taking on every single aspect of media that we possibly can. Uh, and I'll get into why that, that's the case in a little, in a little bit down the line. Um, I'm also writing this book because, quite frankly, a lot has been forgotten. A lot of fundamentals have been forgotten by uh, Christians who have children, who have families, 
who have, you know, communities of any sort. There's a lot of really important fundamentals that are getting pushed aside because everyone is being, you know, cycled through the news 24-7, whether they're actually watch news stations on TV or not. Um, You see it in social media, you see it in, uh, you know, all the various websites and things. Someone's got a political take for you somewhere, some way, somehow, and that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's not the only thing. There's a reason politics fights there's a reason there are fights within politics and politics is not a uh, a, a, a reason unto itself so with that said um i'm going to start by asking the question what is a bard and i'm going to pause here because my wife is texting me nope that's tiktok let's go ahead and come back to what we're doing I'm going to close that. And I'll edit this if need be, but probably not. <laughs> you guys know General's Report is my opportunity to ramble and put something up. So uh, first question, what is a bard? You know, there are four main types of bard that people might immediately pop to mind. And it is a very broad and ill-defined concept in the modern world. And I really want to kind of nail down what that means to a modern audience. What is a modern bard? Okay, so I'm going to modify that a little bit. But first, let's go into what is a bard, generally speaking. What are these kind of four uh, uh, things that I've identified that most people fall into one of these categories when they hear the word bard? The first one is William Shakespeare. He's the bard, right? A lot of people run into that because this might be the only time they've heard the word. Is any time they've been taught Shakespeare or heard about Shakespeare, you know, through pop culture or through anything of that nature. They even say it in sitcoms. Oh, you're studying the bard. And um, yes, he was a bard for his time. He was a playwright. He was a poet. He was a man of words who told stories through words and actors. Um, that sure that that's that's one form of a bard, um, but it's definitely not the only one, as we'll see a little bit further. Another one that many people will bring to mind is the medieval minstrel, uh, or troubadour, or jester, even uh, someone who was employed by an aristocrat. In or, or, or even unemployed, trying seeking employment of an aristocrat, to sing their praises and spread the good news about them and or entertain the aristocrats. Um, while this is a thing to a certain extent, and uh, we've seen a resurgence of the patronage system through uh, crowd-giving apps and things of that nature, it's still not near as prevalent, and it's much more like the masses still than any you know one particular lord or lady that you serve. Um, so it doesn't really fit our bill for modern, but it is something that did exist, and they were very much bards. They... Uh, not only entertained the people, but they carried on the news and the history and all the other sorts of things that go along with information. They were an information station. Uh, so that's another important feature that we need to bring into the modern bard, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Number three is Dungeons and Dragons. There is a classification in the game Dungeons and Dragons as well as other tabletop role-playing games 
where you basically have a character who is a magic based character, but his magic is based around song and how it inspires people or puts them to sleep. Um, he uses his song to even seduce possibly. Um, and this is, this is, uh, turned into a lot of really fun quality memes. And it's something that I lean into a little bit just because it's, it's so preposterous and silly because we all know music works a little bit differently than that. But in a fantasy setting, Hey, <laughs> you know, you can do all kinds of goofy stuff like, uh, try, try and, uh, Pied Piper the dragon away from the village. Right. Um, and so this this is like I said led to a lot of things. There's a guy named Kurt Wise on TikTok who is really really funny, who is the bard of TikTok, and he just does all kinds of, you know, goofy little Dungeons and Dragons skits. This is uh, a little bit more of a caricature of what a bard is. Um and it's funny, it's fantasy, it's full of, you know, clownish stuff and like i i mean i i'm wearing a top hat of course i obviously and a dragon another dragon shirt i fall into this to a certain extent and i do think that there's a joy in the word bard that doesn't get brought up in a lot of academic circles and people who are too self-serious so i want to i want to kind of take that from the sort of dungeons and dragons tabletop bard and and we'll come back to assembling this Frankenbard, <laughs> if you will, as as we come back. So the last one is probably the, the the one least recognized, but some will recognize it as a bard, and that is uh, the Celtic wizard. I hesitate to say druid because there were a lot of different forms of druids and gothies, and you know all different levels of you know wizards of various sorts that had um, magical hold and um, sway over early Celtic uh, people. But some of them, when they converted to Christianity, kept the title bard in various shapes and forms because they were the keeper of the history of the people, and they wanted to make sure that that history did not get completely erased. And we have St. Patrick to thank for a lot of that. Um, a lot of those stories survived because of him and because of columba and a few other people but um the point is that they were actually priests and prophets to their people they were you know a lot of people think of shamans medicine men um there was a spiritual guidance that came along with giving the news right they were the ones who rallied the people together in Ireland, they were the ones who conferred the high kingship in many cases. So they actually had a hold over who becomes king in many ways. And um, one of the best examples of what this ultimately means is the Song of Albion trilogy, which is one of my uh, four favorite series. I'm going to get to a general's report on that at some point. Um, but Tegid Tathal in that book is an excellent example of a bard and what a bard should be. And he would inspire people to fight. He would inspire people uh, and, and kingdoms when they were unsure of where to go and what to do next. And I think that's extremely important for our Frankenbard situation. We're coming together. So let's, let's look at this. A modern bard, right? This is what I'm hoping will come out of people like me who would claim they're a bard in modern times. 
we have a recognition of excellence in the creation of narrative arts. That's William Shakespeare. Okay. Secondly, we have a local, strong rooted connection to the people whom we are serving. That's the medieval minstrel. Okay. The third is an overwhelming sense of joy that doesn't take itself too seriously. This is the Dungeons and Dragons bard, right? Um, and then last of all, someone who is seeking to not only edify for the sake of edification, not only entertain for the sake of entertainment, but there is a spiritual element that ties everything back to the grand myth and I'm using that in the C.S. Lewis uh, terms and phrases in the Chestertonian way, the myth, the thing that we believe at our very core and are passing down to our children, right? Which in the Christian's case is the entirety of scripture, right? So we've got, one, to reiterate, one, a commitment to the excellence in creating narrative arts, okay? Second, the local rooting among a very specific people. Third, an overwhelming joy that doesn't take itself too seriously. And fourth, a spiritual aspect that connects all of this to the main thing. What is the chief end of man is the first question in the uh, Westminster larger uh, uh, shorter catechism and the answer is to glorify god and enjoy him forever okay so we're tying everything back to god to jesus to the one that we are following right so that is what i am hoping for the christian bard the person who in the modern times claims bardship okay so now we've got our def working definition of bard all right so the next question is why does your family need one well, honestly, your family might need more. <laughs> it might need, uh, you know, someone who, who, uh, well, I, I digress on that. Um, I want to get into kind of the, the things that a bard does for a family specifically, because a bard can do a lot for a, a nation, a, you know, a, a county, a city. We can talk the community aspect forever, but I specifically want to focus in on family. Okay. A lot of, medieval minstrels would serve in a castle in a house and they would almost never leave they would unless they were you know sending messages because they were a messenger too but i digress <clears throat> the main thing that you and your family will be getting out of ham having a bard is fourfold one of those is a reminder Whoever your bard is, whether it's a sister, brother, father, mother, whatever the case may be, I'm advocating for you, the listener, to be the bard in your family, right? They will remind the people in that family who they are before God, where they have come from, what they are going to do in the future by God's promises. So we're reminding them. We're reminding them of what's already in scripture. That's the first thing. By the way, all of these begin with R, so the four R's, right? Second is rejoice. They will teach, and not even teach rejoicing. That's important too, but they will rejoice. 
rejoicing is contagious. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but one of the biggest reasons politically that the left and many other people put us down is so that we will stop rejoicing. And what does the Bible say? Rejoice without ceasing. We have so much that God has given us. And rejoicing, even in the face of darkness, is extremely important for a bard to do for their family. Next is revitalize. And when I say revitalize, this is this goes back to uh, inspiration, right? You're inspiring other people to do what they need to do. And that can be through actions. It can be through words. It can be through reminders. It's, it's a more subtle thing. But when you understand how to encourage someone and stir up their heart to do what is right, you'll know what I'm talking about. And this is something that you learn by doing. <laughs> you know, you, you can take a master manipulator's class and have all the right intentions behind that. But the point is not manipulating someone. The point is to have someone do what they were meant to do, what they were created to be and do. And then last retrain now obviously if you're a child um in the in the relationship with a father and mother you're not going to do a whole lot of training but you can do a certain amount of reminding to the point where people understand your patterns and if they understand your patterns they begin to respect your patterns so let's talk from a point of a father or a mother you are continually retraining not only their pessimism, not only their uh, sloth, you know, working these things out, training your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but you are continually retraining them to always be rejoicing, to be remembering all the important things that you've taught them. So let's run through those one more time. We remind, we rejoice. We revitalize, that's inspiring them, and we retrain, right? We retrain all of the lies that the world has taught us out, right? So now we'll move on to our third and final question, okay? How will having a bard in your family affect the world around you? This goes to community, right? I believe it starts in the family, right? It really starts in the individual and you, the bard, deciding to be the bard for your family. Okay. That's where it really starts. That's the fourth uh, sphere of government. I'll run through those real quick. Self, family, church, state. And they, they're not in any hierarchy, right? They all have their own jurisdiction. There are overlaps where they uh, co collaborate, collaborate, but all four of these were given to us by God in scripture as legitimate governments. Okay. So starting with you, the bard, the individual, you have decided to be a bard. Great. Wonderful. You've decided to shepherd and help your family to the best of your ability with these specific goals in mind. Great. Now, how will it affect the church and the state? And when I say state, I mean everyone who lives in your county, city, town, village, whatever it is, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, history will be preserved rightly. This is an important part of being a bard that I didn't go into a whole lot, but this goes into reminding, right? 
make your family's genealogy. Write down the dates and times and the places where you didn't think you were going to have enough money to fix the car, but God provided. These are the 12 stones that we see in the Old Testament. These Ebenezers that were being set up by the Israelites, right? These touchstones, right? These places that we can go back to and say, this is exactly what we're talking about, right? These are the things that are most important to remember, right? So history in your community will be well-preserved if you start preserving it. Second, your family will become less pessimistic. Now, I won't say they will become completely, you know, optimistic, and that's not even necessarily the goal, but they won't necessarily immediately jump to the worst conclusions at all times, especially knowing that you're still rejoicing. And that will go for your community as well. When they see happiness, joy, etc., it changes the air around you. People realize that darkness doesn't really truly have a hold here. Many think it does, and we can certainly see evidence that it has some kind of control, but it's not ultimate because they can't get your joy, right? Next, your family will have strength for trials and the mundane. And this goes for community too. Your family will have strength for trials and the mundane. When they don't have enough money for the car, they can honestly trust and not be anxious. How much of our whole life is just ruled by anxiousness these days? Anxiousness disappears when there's someone around you rejoicing and reminding, right? Uh, also the mundane, things that are hard to get through simply because they happen over and over and over and over and over and over again. We as bards can remind them of the truth. We can remind them that every little thing that they do is to the glory of God and that it really does actually matter in the end. And if you're telling other people that in your community, whoo, some people have never heard that. And it'll change things. Next, your logical theology will become unshakable by emotions. Right? This is you and other people around you, but let's talk about you for just a second. Your logical theology, right? The things that you know to be true that are your presuppositions that you are rooted in, right? If you really truly believe them and you're constantly rejoicing in that to the point where, you know, suddenly, oh, wait a second, do I really believe that? You can almost immediately, yep, I do because I'm rejoicing. It's not exactly a fake it till you make it, it's a true it till you make it, right? Because it's just, this is true. The Bible says rejoice always. And if you're continually doing that, I, I, I don't, there's no room for this kind of anxiousness. There's no room for being shaken out of the things that you truly actually believe and that are really true. Now, I'm not saying don't question your beliefs. I'm saying go and question, you know, 
do I really believe in the mode of baptism? Go ahead. Ask yourself that. That, that, that should not be something that you should be worried to ask about. But just know, Christ died for you. And he saved you, Christian. And he's making you a bard right now. Or else, you know, bard adjacent. So, <clears throat> last, your family will know what became before them. They will be excited for the future. They will have the strength to face the present. And they will become unshakable before the world. And imagine what that kind of family does in a world full of anxiousness where the truth just radiates out from them in beauty. So now, how to be your family's bard. I've gone into it a little bit. I'm going to go into a little more uh, uh, depth as well as recap, and we'll go ahead and close this thing out. Read poetry and fiction often. If you're reading something simply because it's beautiful and wonderful to your children and you're making them sit down to do it, if you're reading something to your mom, say, hey, mom, can I read this to you real quick? And it can be a short thing. You're reading something to your dad. Hey, dad, check this out. The fact is you are saying that beauty has objective value in a world that doesn't believe it. And the more you do this, the more people will realize that it's true. That beauty does have objective value. That's extremely important. Second, play music often. Whether you play music like me or sing songs, you can always curate. I hope that you sing if you're a Christian because the Bible commands it. But if you're not, you know, particularly tuneful, you, you could still have a good ear and find wonderful music. Just have it on, you know? Like, there's so many songs that I just pop back into my head all of a sudden when I'm reading a particular Bible verse or going through a particular trial, and I'm, I'm just reminded of these things. And this is why the Bible tells us, encourage one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm not even just talking lyrical content. Once again, we go back to the objective beauty principle, right? Some wonderful classical music or soundtrack or even, you know, just some insanely good technical rock music or, or, or some really technical rap, you know, whatever, whatever it is, treasure the beauty that God has given to you in the world of music because it affects you in ways that other forms don't. And it's important to affect one another with beauty, especially as a bard. That goes back to even the goofy caricature Dungeons and Dragons version. Next, look for opportunities to quote things that they already know, they being your family. Quote quotes that they already know. You know, I'm not talking cheesy apple a day takes breaks gets the doctor away right i'm talking rejoice always you see i just made an appeal to you based upon my assumed knowledge that you have of scripture right you or your assumed knowledge i'm assuming your knowledge of scripture 
Do that of other people, especially in your family. Tell them what they already know. <laughs> I know they already know it, but they not they may not. <laughs> they may not remember that they already know it. And when you bring it back to their recognition, yeah, they might even get annoyed at you. That's part of being a bard. Bards can be annoying. I mean, look at me, <laughs> right? But in doing so, you are reminding them that it's not just the goofy little guy in front of them, goofy little girl, whatever. It's actually the word of God or the word of someone that they admire who follows God, right? These are the things that we believe at our core. So remind people, remind them. Make and preserve a family history. I touched on this one a little bit. I am almost 1,300 people deep into a giant database on my family. <laughs> I had one particular relative that went ridiculously far back, and I'm just adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. And it's just, it's insane the kind of people that are in my family genealogy. Famous, not famous, and I'm just floored by the, the vast picture God's given me of our family and what he's done in each and every one of my fathers and mothers to get to me. Think about that. I have 1,300 written people who are my mothers and fathers. And quite frankly, most of them were at least nominally in the faith as far as I can tell. That's incredible, right? And I know not everyone has that. Not everyone has a deep genealogy, but do the research. Find what you can, because it's a gift from God. Providence, the context of providence that you were born into is a gift from God. And it's a gift that needs to be shared with your family because you share that heritage with them. And that, that includes everything from... Like I said, the little miracle about the, being able to fix the car or afford groceries this week. All the way back to, you know, my oldest relative was a was a Roman emperor or not, not emperor, excuse me, governor of Britannia. As far as I can tell. And obviously there's, you know, some iffy whatever with that kind of a thing. But that's how far back I've, tra I've been able to trace. Right. That was before the time of Christ. That's insane. But guess what? So is being able to afford groceries every week. And you need to be the one to archive this. You are the scribe of your family too. The bard is an archivist. A person who archives everything. All the goodness and providence of God. So that at a moment's notice, at a moment's darkness, you can turn on the light switch. My phone's blowing up and going crazy, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one by saying a couple things. One, being a bard is a lifestyle of discipleship. It's not cramming information into the heads of your listeners, right? They may not hear it the 20th time you say something, but you say it anyway doesn't mean you say it incessantly, you know, over and over, really, truly being obnoxious. But you play the music. Play the music. 
Sing the songs. Tell the stories. Plant the seeds. We're all gardeners, after all. Adam and Eve's children. Plant the seeds of beauty so that there is no room for the weeds. Totally saturate the ground with the fruit that God's already given you. And create your own stories. Create your own symphonies. Create your own murals. Create these things because our God is a creator. You don't have to be great at it. But a story on the lap of your grandfather, directly from his mouth, as a gift to you. It's a precious gift. And we're not doing any favors by holding back our light under a bushel. Especially to our own children and to our mothers and fathers and to our brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins. This is a lifestyle of joyful exuberant, wandering joy. Right? So, with all that being said, this has been the General's Report. I think this is the longest one I've ever done. I'm very excited to see how it turns out, and if I'm able to take this and kind of add to it and turn it into a book like I want to. But I really appreciate you guys. You've done a lot for me over the years. And you're continuing to do a lot for me. Please pray for me as I try to exemplify what being a bard for the church and for the family really means. And together, Lord willing, because he has to build the house, it'll do some good. It'll do some real good. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.